Coach Stacy, we're rocking it this morning. This is beautiful. Yes, sir. Nice to get back to it at least one last time before our official jobs start again this week. Oh. I know you've already started this week, but yeah. teachers, we don't come back till at least tomorrow. Which I think the beginning of a school year is a beautiful thing, but at the same time, <clears throat> it's always sad for summer to go. You know. <laughs> Exactly. I was talking to someone yesterday, and they said I'd rather be four weeks into the school year than like deal with these few days of just like building up to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like yeah, I'd rather already be set in my routine than instead of like having to establish it and get back to it all like normal. Yeah, the printing of things, the new student schedules, the yeah, just the minutia. That's really one of the biggest reasons why I got out of teaching is. The minutia of lesson plan attendance, like, is this really? Obviously, we have to do those things, <laughs> um, but I think just being as a principal, you can move the needle a little more. Not that you don't do a wonderful job in your classroom; you're doing great work in there. But you're also taking your master's courses to be a principal, and I would like to kind of hear your reasoning behind that. We're just going to go everywhere this morning because this is right before school starts. Uh, yeah, I just had always promised myself and kind of. Yeah, just a promise to myself I'd get my master's before 30. So 29 times winding down. I've got till February to finish that, and I should be done coming up here in September. Mm -hmm. uh, main motivation, just to go ahead and get that pay bump for now. But then mm -hmm. I think eventually I do want to move that way into administration. Mm -hmm. I just don't think I've done enough in my teaching side of the career like to go that route yet, quite yet, though. Yeah, I, I, it's so, so interesting you say that. My, I always said I'd become administrator when I'm 50, and after, you know, get a pay bump at the end of my career. And not even 40, and here we are. Uh, but I think a lot of, especially where we are now in education in West Virginia, it's hard to find people. And I never thought that it'd be hard to find principals. I mean, I was, I was basically begged to apply for this job because people weren't applying. Yeah. And it's the same deal with teaching now. It's hard to find good people. So I just, I really enjoy the fact that you're getting your master's in ed leadership because we need good people in administration. You know, it's just one of those things, like I know you didn't grow up in West Virginia, but like when I grew up through like West Virginia public schools, I went to three different public schools, you know, an elementary, middle school, and a high school. And at all three of those places, they had the exact same principles that my brother had five years prior. You know what I mean? Like, it was always, growing up, it seemed at least when you got into, like, admin position, you know, that was your school. Like, mm -hmm. you went down with your ship. Like, you know, you rode it all the way until you retired. Like, mm -hmm. this kind of rotating door of people going in and out, you know, that wasn't always true 10 15 years ago yeah. and I think kind of probably what you saw a little bit and what I see a lot of is just I kind of look to frustration like especially being in a teaching position where you depend on your leadership you know I think some frustrations have built with you know lack of leaders that we've had in years past and I don't know if you see it the same way I do but kind of my motivation specifically for getting an admin degree was like all right I don't like this well, then I'm going to get in a position to like make it better. Mm. I had early in my career, 
I had some really good models as administrators. It's people that I looked up to. And I thought, I can do that. So you know, how do I get to do that? And let's go back to school, get a, uh, a master's degree. Now, when I was going through mine, it was 2011. I was in Florida at the time. And I think University of Texas, San Antonio was doing an online course. And they were a certain amount of money. And then I was just being curious. So I looked up and I found Arkansas State University. And back then it was, I think it was eight grand for the whole thing. Wow. And I just paid as we went, as I went. <laughs> so, and then more more of my friends actually went, some of my friends actually went and did the same course. Because, right. oh my gosh, I can do this online, kind of like Salem. And then, yeah, here, and obviously I've, I've only been in West Virginia since 2015. But it feels like home and it feels like we're, we're doing this hard thing together because everybody knows our test scores suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Everybody knows we have attendance issues. We have drug issues. But Bro- Broken families left and right. Yeah, but if not for us, then who will do it? You know, if we, if we abdicate the position to help, then who else is going to do it? You know? Exactly, and I think that's where you and I reach some commonality is a lot of my frustrations have been like, hey, if you're not like, if you're in a position to do something about this and you're not going to do anything about it, then please get out of my way and let me do something about it. Um, I hate to be so like bold and so frank about that, but a lot of times, like, I don't know, we have people stepping into the leadership positions that just, you know, don't necessarily seem as if they're like ready to be there. And that, you know, that's not particular to us here at this high school, but just like speaking to education in general, mm-hmm. you know, you get a lot of people that are just, oh, I want that pay bump or whatever. You know, I'm not really willing to get like down and dirty and put that like work into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just been of the mindset, like, it's, I don't know if it's like growing up, maturing, but I know the more, like the closer I get to 30, you know, my philosophy is more so just like, hey, if you're not here to help, like, please do me a favor, step aside, and let me, like, get going. Like, if you're holding me back, you know, I'm not that, I'm definitely not the happiest person. Yeah, if, if you're not here to, ask, and I, I look at myself a lot of times with that. If I'm not, if I'm not here today to help the situation, then what am I doing? If I'm just here to complain, because I know I can fall into that trap. I think mm-hmm. most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, can recognize we fall into that trap. But how do I help? How do I meet this challenge? Because uh, obviously we have challenges here. I mean, it's no <laughs> it's no secret that our counties are taken over by the state for some different things. And you could, in my mind, you can either run from that or you can just say, hey, this is where we are. And we're going to have 1,100 students here in a couple of days. How do we help them have the best experience possible? Because all that other stuff we can't control, man. We just can't. We can't do anything about that. We weren't the superintendent now three superintendents ago. Or right. two, whatever, two or three. Oh, I forget you know, however you count that. But, yeah, man, I think there's good stuff going on here. There's good teaching. There's good administrative practices. It's just continuing to get better. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things about teaching that, you know, really makes this career so particular. You know, every year you get prepared for the same thing. You know, I've been teaching contemporary studies now coming up on, I believe it's going to be my fourth straight year. You know, my content has stayed the same. 
you know, my standards that I have to teach has stayed mm-hmm. the same. But what it's always changes, you know, new students, new faces, new stories, mm-hmm. you know, new neighbors of, you know, teachers leaving next door to me and new folks coming in or just like having younger folks like move in next door and, you know, having to mentor them. You know, we kind of get stuck in this idea, we think, especially as educators, that like every year should become easier. You know, oh, I've done this. Okay, I already got my lesson plans from last yeah. year, so like this year needs to be more yeah. like easier. No. But it's just like you've always said, and like as we've talked about before, you know, it's not about comfort and convenience. And that same thing applies to our jobs. You know, our jobs are going to continue those same types of challenges, regardless of how well you wrote your lesson plans up all summer long. You know, you're still going to have to change them. You're still going to have to change what you're doing to like cater it to your actual students. Mm-hmm. I think in education we get stuck in that idea of like things should be easier just because we're more experienced. I've always thought since I've been in education because my first two jobs I got cut because I was a low man on the totem pole. I was just the last guy in or one of the last people in. Most people be hired. I always thought that was foobar. <laughs> Why don't we evaluate people and keep the best? I think tenure is the worst way possible to evaluate who should be on your who should be on your staff because mm-hmm. I think it's I mean as a teacher here in West Virginia if you get the six years you basically unless you do something stupid you, you have to pay right. right I mean you don't really, you don't have to be evaluated by the by the state code which I understand why they do that because how do you like tenure is the easiest way to do an evaluation system but and even the State Department would say this as I've gotten to talk to and know more of those, more people there. I think we have wonderful people in our State Department. I wish more people knew that um, about our state. We have wonderful people in the State Department. I'm not just saying that because this is on a podcast. People can listen to it. I mean it. Like, they are really good people. Uh, Tim Flatley at the State Department, math guy. He's the man. He listens, he listens to the podcast sometimes, so I hope Tim's listening. Uh, just do wonder, a wonderful job. But... So I, I wish there was a way just to evaluate you know ourselves and like to do you know your staffing based upon the the effectiveness of the teacher mm-hmm. now I know that can change with students right if you have a group of students that just I don't want to be here that's hard yeah <laughs> right but if we were comparing apples to apples how effective is the teacher um and I think in private school, which is why a lot of times private schools, you know, obviously, it's a different clientele. That's not apples to apples to public education. But there's a little more pressure. Like, your kids need to perform. <laughs> you know what I mean? A little more pressure there. Yeah, I think if that competition exists, like, you know, competition brings out the best, you know. Of course, yeah. I mean, I used to love saying that, like, as a runner in high school, you know, I needed people in practice to help push me because we had such a small team. So we bring in, like, a you know, a some of the guys from Wayne High School, they come run with us, and it was like, wow, because we needed like the extra help. Like they needed help, and we needed help, so we helped each other. Mm-hmm. I think just in education, especially in West Virginia, you know, we're lacking that competition. We're lacking that outside factor to push people to be their best. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. why, because it's hey, I have this position. I know there's not people lining up the door to like, you know, mm-hmm. get me out of this position. So sometimes we just get stuck in that comfort and. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I sent you a picture of this last night. Yeah, for sure. This book, I'm going to plug this book right here, right now, for free. 
because they don't sponsor the podcast. He doesn't need my sponsorship. Uh, Inner Excellence by Jim Murphy. Uh, the subtitle is Train Your Mind for Extraordinary Performance in the Best Possible Life. This book looks like a rainbow. It's been hot. it's been underlined so much. It is a Coach Stacy. If you ever want to borrow, um, I would actually suggest you buy your own. But you can always borrow. It sits up there in my bookshelf. Um, this dude, he's, he's it's from a Christian perspective. Uh, just nails it. Like he nails inner excellence. That's been the title of the book is is appropriate for his book. And we were talking about you know doing hard things. Public ed's hard. I think public ed's hard anywhere. Uh, you know, one of the cool things about having a podcast is people talk to you who are from other places. Uh, and even in the state of West Virginia, that's who I mostly talk to. Because um, I, I really thought in my career, I'm just going to be candid. I feel like I can't because this is just a podcast. We can say what we want. Mm-hmm. I always thought West Virginia was just going to be kind of a stepping stone. Like I'd come here, be a head coach, and then go back to Florida or Georgia or you know, Ohio, wherever. Uh, but I'm not in that space anymore. I'm more, I'm now I'm in the space of, Hey man, let's, I'm here. Let's dig in here. Let's do this thing. Um, because it's worth it here. I really do believe that. Um, if, and we have great friends like you. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that was like my, that was my thought. Like, Hey, I can come here and do this and then see you later. But that's a, that's not the case anymore. Um, there's this quote here. He says, fear of not being able to endure and ultimately fear for your survival Survival triggers a need to escape suffering. Man, that is West Virginia, right? Especially West Virginia public ed. Like oh, it's, yeah. We're going to suffer here a little bit because mm-hmm. not that we're third world or anything. I think we have a beautiful town here, wonderful people. But I know for me, trying to... I think everybody wants to escape suffering, things that are hard. But I would love, I and mean, we've talked a lot about cross country. What are your, what's your thoughts on that? How do you, how do you embrace suffering? Because that's so, so much something we need. I know I need these days. You know, suffering to me has always meant growth. And I mean, take that how you want. So hold on, say that one more time. Yeah. Suffering is suffering. Yeah, I mean it means growth. It to means me. growth. That is, that's it. Cause I want to put a sticky, put a sticky note, put on my computer. <laughs> you know, the, I always think back to like a tr- very church camp perspective of when okay. I really got into the church in high school. Which I don't know those folks who have been kind of paying attention to me on the podcast or whatever. You know, I was into church pretty heavily, kind of falling out, starting to find my way back into that nowadays. But you know, I always think of. You know, we'd go to church camp once a summer, and it would be this great, fantastic week. I mean, everybody's, like, we'd leave, everybody's soul's on fire for God. I mean, everybody's wanting to do some sort of serve-like service. Everybody's wanting to go out in the community and make a difference. And then, you know, like a month, two, like later, like, you know, things get hard again. You mm-hmm. know, you're not mm-hmm. riding that spiritual high or that mm-hmm. wave coming out of church camp and, like, it's really easy to do things when life is good. It's really easy mm-hmm. to put your whole self out there when you can look like look around you and be like, oh, my situation's great. These people's <laughs> situation's tough, all right? So I'm in a position I could do something about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
But well, we don't necessarily carry that same attitude when something starts going wrong for us, when something starts becoming mm -hmm. difficult. And, you know, the way we always try to talk about it with our little youth group or whatever is just like, you know, you've got to be broken in order to fix something. You know what I mean? You've got to mm -hmm. go through, just like an athlete, I mean, I can think of it as a distance runner. I have to go and run and put my body through some pretty absurd stuff of running like 10 plus miles if I want to be able to run a really solid 5k. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't go through that suffering, am I ever going to reach like that end goal of where I want to be? You know, mm -hmm. I've just always tried to embrace that suffering more so than fear away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, when we become so fearful of like, as you said, survival or suffering, whatever it is, you know, we let that fear control our lives. I mean, how much does that fear take away from us? How much of our ability to do? You know what I mean? Like, we are not helpless creatures. There's so much we could do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times just that fear takes that away from you. It takes away people's inability to move. It takes away their inability to, you know, really just take responsibility and take action. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be easy. I mean, we've said that, the comfort convenience deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, life is not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be, mm -hmm. you know, just all sunshine and roses. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. going to go through it. And I think the thing that people have to hold on to is like, hey, going through that suffering leads to that growth. Mm -hmm. You know, puts you in a better position either personally or for the people around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was Father, Father Ondek's uh, homily Saturday. He was talking about, did he, I don't know if he gave the same one Sunday. Sometimes, okay, he did. Talking about most of the time in his life, and I can say in my life too, the things that the Lord really calls us to, call, the things that the Lord really calls us to uh, are not things that we necessarily want to do. Those are, they're hard. I don't, and I think about at Mass around the, like the sanctuary or the stations of the cross. And I think to myself, I don't think Jesus woke up that morning and said, man, I'm really looking forward to this. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, like this, no, he thought, Lord, you know, he, I'm paraphrasing, but and he prayed in the Garden, garden of Gethsemane, exactly. Lord, please take this from me because right. I can't handle it. Um, and I'll just be candid. With five children now in my life, I'm starting to tear up a little bit because I've gotten, I've gotten more... It, it, uh, and touch my emotions here. Um, that's been my prayer sometimes, man. Like, Lord, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> you know, with work and football and family life, just, dear Lord, I don't know how to handle this. Please help me. <laughs> you know, but I think that's a good place to be. Not that we overextend ourselves, but... Dear Jesus, I can't do this by myself. See, I think that's exactly like, it's a huge part that people are so afraid of is to admit that we need help. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's something about like this American society, which is so beautiful, but at the same time, I think kind of like detrimental of this, you know, pick up by your own bootstraps and get it done. Mm -hmm. You know, this American dream, like, you know, to come mm -hmm. from nothing to become something. Mm -hmm. It also makes us a little arrogant in the idea that like we can do everything ourselves. Yes. 
Yes. And I think a huge part of like what you're talking about, like to be able to get through suffering is to admit that we cannot do it by ourselves. It's to say that we need help. And that's, you know, if you're looking to your peers around you, hey, I'm having struggle. Like I'm really struggling with this assignment. I need like your help, your guidance. Hey, like I'm struggling with this particular skill. If it's an athlete coming to a coach or like us as grown men, Mm-hmm. just looking at ourselves honestly and saying mm-hmm. hey I don't have it all together I need that extra little piece I need that something to pull me through mm-hmm. you know as we talked about my masters you know I got all this the syllabus and everything last week you know started looking at like the main due dates you know we don't even have students until August 16th like you know, all of my stuff is due September 15th mm-hmm. so you know I've got like that one month window really and that's not on top of the fact I'm still teaching every day. I'm still coaching every single mm-hmm. night. I have meets to go to on the weekends. And somewhere in between all that, I have to find a wife to hang out with. Yep. Like, yep. And at first, you know, I sat there and was like, I, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this in two months. Mm-hmm. Let that, like, set aside for a minute. And mm-hmm. then I like, just sit down and tell my wife, like, I'm going to graduate at the end of September. Mm-hmm. It's going to be difficult. These next few months are going to be hard. But I'm going to do the things that make sure that, like, hey, I get there. But none of that was without telling my wife, like, I need your help through that. Like, I need that support. I need that belief. And, like, I need you to have that belief in me. Mm-hmm. You know, simple things. Help them keep the house together a little bit. Let's, you know, make up all of our meals on Sunday so we're not coming home in the evenings already mm-hmm. stressed after practice. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could have been so just self-centered, like, oh, I'm going to do this all on my own. I'm going to be a big old man and oh, give me my roses at the end of it. Right. Like, dude, what is a man without, like, that woman there to sit here and hold me up? Like, you know, mm-hmm. just to say, like, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the first things you need if you're going to, like, face that suffering, if you're going to face those fears, you know. I've always yeah. said it, you know, God yeah. didn't create us to be alone for a reason. And I can't yeah. imagine... Yeah, I know my my wife uh, is is awesome. She's a bedrock. Um, and then here at work, I have uh, a drawing of the Blessed Mother on the computer screen. <laughs> got it, and I had the Holy Family off to the right, you know, asking for intercession, help, <laughs> you know, say Joseph. Joseph was my confirmation name, you know. So um, Jesus's uh, earthly father. Um, yeah, man, it's because. It's like when people talk about having kids, and people told me, and it's so true, there's never a good time. There's never a perfect time. There's always going to be something going on. Same thing with a master's degree. There's never going to be a perfect time to start it. And if you're looking for the perfect time to start something, you're never going to start. Right. <laughs> you're just never going to start. You're going to wait, 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 and then get to the end of the life, into, your, into our lives, and go, it! I didn't accomplish all I wanted to accomplish and that's the one thing I think on my deathbed that I want to be able to say is I accomplished what I would have liked to accomplish first of all with my relationship with the Lord right in his church and then my family and then professionally and you miss all the shots you don't take and I think that's a that's a big thing I mean people I tell people that you know, I'm an assistant football. I'm assistant principal and a head football coach. They look at me like, "How do you do that?" Well, I, something I've always wanted to try. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I'm doing this forever, but dang it, I wanted to try this since I was 
got out of high school, got out, got out of college. Right, and you're not walking around with the arrogance either of like, you know, I'm doing, I can, I do this better than anyone else. No, probably, no, not at all. Yeah, you, know, you <laughs> might be able to sit there and hold yourself to someone else, but yeah, I, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I, I mean, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you're still holding yourself to like, hey, you know, that's why we're doing this. I gotta be better. I'm learning from you. You know, I'm learning from Coach Stacy. I need somebody to give me some free counseling <laughs> here in yeah, the morning. It, you know, man, I was thinking of that in so many other ways. You know, with coaching, like you and I are both head coaches. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do this without your assistant coaches. No, not at all. We have a great staff here. You know, I mean, a lot of folks look at my sport and they're like, "Oh, you got 13 kids, all right? Like, what? What could you really need help with?" Mm-hmm. If I don't have Doctor Justin Bowers there in my ear to keep Dr. me like Justin keep Bowers. me up every day, you know, to keep my spirits elevated, mm-hmm. hey, I can't exactly uh, guarantee that. You know, my practices are going to be the greatest, or, you know, I'm really going to have a good mm-hmm. grip for the confidence mm-hmm. to do things as I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doctor. we got to have one Dr. Justin Bowers reference for sure. Oh, doctor necessary. Justin Bowers, great friend, good man. Um, I love his truck, his Ram truck. Oh, not anymore. What happened to him? I traded it in. What did he get? Uh, so, Subaru SUV, I think. Switched it up. I'm very disappointed. I know. He said he couldn't. He just couldn't justify the truck bed anymore. Justify the truck bed anymore. I didn't know why he needed it for him. It's like, all right. What a what a man. What a myth. What a legend. Well, um, I think he's in that phase where the daughters are all getting to driving age too, so they're all looking for something a little bit more efficient. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, with with five, when you have five kids, it limits you on the kind of vehicles you can have at your house. You know, all the mainstream vehicles are done. We can't have those cars, pickup trucks. Mm. Now, what I really want to do, and this, I'm going to throw this out to the listeners on the podcast. If anybody knows of somebody trying to sell a van or a school bus, a short short school bus, please send me an email, Zach, Z-A-C-H dot Davis, 24 at gmail.com. Uh, and we can talk. And I want to get a van, though. Then I want to get uh, like a pickup, like an old pickup truck. Because we're always looking to haul stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can't haul anything because we have a van and a Ford ex- Expedition or Explorer, excuse me. And um, yeah, I don't have a bed, so I'm looking for like old school pickup truck. I'm talking like '99 Chevy Silverado type thing. See, that's why I went with the Tacoma, like not a full size truck, but still mm-hmm. a truck. It's going to take me up and down the mountains when I go fishing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to give me my space of just when I need to carry a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, the convenience of not having to break down my rods every single time anymore and there just keep go. those in the back 24-7. That's yeah. definitely improved my fishing game a little bit. Yeah. Definitely got, I definitely got to have an extended cab because the girls want to go on a ride. Uh, I kind of I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I want a truck that's so old there's no airbag. I'm talking... Papaw's yeah. truck. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Which there's some nostalgia there because that's, you know, this is the truck she rode around in as kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've done plenty of podcasts about older is better. Obviously, I don't think we should not. I don't think we should not evolve. But man, my, dealing with vehicles these days, like the more computerized they are, the more they break. Oh well, it's just like yeah, it's just like phones or anything else. You know, my wife and I were just talking the other day. She's like, she's like, you know, what is Apple going to do in ten years? Like they've like every iPhone they keep making is the exact same like the 13 and the 14s have the exact same processor the exact same computer so what the heck makes them different 
Uh, the 14 doesn't have SIM cards anymore, so they it, they took out SIM cards permanently, and now it's an eSIM. So, so what if you have a SIM card and you're trying to like buy the phone? So we uh, asked about that. Same thing, if you buy a 14, you can just bring it into AT&T and tell them, like, hey, this is my phone now, like, and they'll do it all, like, the transfer. Oh. But, yeah, there's just no physical SIM any longer. So for those for people that are looking for a new phone or a refurbished phone, want to give yeah. another free plug, backmarket.com. I just bought a refurbished iPhone XR. Beautiful. And that's so that's what Rachel and I were looking into was just purchasing the 14 off of there, bringing it into AT and T, and being like, "Hey, it's our phone." Uh, the way it worked out with like trading her phone in though, it didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. So we just went ahead and did a through AT and T. But I was just explained to her, I was like. Apple's not designing that device to work it that long. No. And she's like, oh, no. like, I'm like, genuinely, I was like, in the next iOS update that comes out when the, when the iPhone 15 is out next month, the 13s, the 12s, they're all going to intentionally get slowed down. Like, mm. Didn't they get sued because of, for that? I think for like somebody, somebody took a lawsuit against them. I feel like that was only in Europe, though. Oh. Uh, in my XR, I love it. I, yeah, love I know Europe. Europe. I know the European Union sued them for not selling the charger. Like when you bought the phone, like not putting a charger in the box. That's really. Mm-hmm. That's some BS. Not putting, oh, exactly. Not because, the charger I mean, it's just literally a monopoly because you then you have to go buy the charger. Right. But I mean, your trucks, like what we're getting at, is your trucks, your vehicles are all getting to that same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not ideal for Chevy to sell you something that's going to last you three generations any longer. You know what I mean? Which is so sad, man. You know, a lot of people like don't realize their bumpers are made out of plastic, not steel anymore. Like, you wonder why like people used to really beat up their trucks. Mm. But yeah, they're all steel bodies. Mm. You couldn't really beat them up. Mm. If I go take my Tacoma like on a trail, I better pray I have a three and a half inch lift, like yeah. three and a half inch lift kit. If not, like that frame on the bottom is going to be rugged. Yeah, trucks. I'm- used to be the vehicle I was talking to my brother-in-law about this they were the vehicle of the working man so they were affordable they last you forever now and what's it look about new Chev. let's do got a good friend friends here or four people Miss Alan Tinney is another one that works at Chenoweth Ford so new Ford let's do Ford F-150 let's see how much this how much these cost 45 uh let's see Let's do what we'll do West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. Let's see what pops up here. Sixty-four thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven dollars. Or that's a lariat, so obviously it's gonna be more. Or F one fifty XL, fifty thousand dollars. I mean, what what working man can afford to I mean, that's that's like that's half my a house payment. You know, for a truck. You know, I looked Jeez. at the value on my Tacoma recently. It's four years old now. It's a 2019, you know, double cab. But, you know, I looked at the value of it. And it, like, it's four years old. It'll be paid off next summer. And it was still worth 30 grand. I'm like, man, for a four-year-old truck, mm-hmm. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, and, I, you know, and funny enough, my dealership called me last week. And like, hey, how's that Tacoma doing? You you thinking about like upgrading to a full size or anything? I mean, we see uh, you're still under seventy five k miles. You know, like that's really good for four years. Like, you know, you want to come on down and see what we got? Huh? No, 
Not at all. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm going to be riding this baby out for a while. Yeah, my 2010 Explorer has 187,000 miles on it. So, I mean, eventually we'll... And I had a car dealership call me yesterday because I was looking at, like, a van there. But, I don't know, we'll, we'll eventually sell it and then go to... I want to do a schoolie, man. I really want to get, like, a school bus, like a short school bus, and uh, take out, like, the back two rows of seats. There's all your storage. We don't even really want to dress it up. Some people make it to where you can live it and stuff like that. I got we we don't want to do that. We just want a bus to be able to drive the kids around in. Yeah, I've got some friends from high school who actually just got like featured by Vice News and everything. Really? They redid a school bus. and But the price they pay for gas, nah, like, I'm, no way that's affordable with the mm-hmm. gas prices nowadays. I don't care what job you're working from home. I mean, mm-hmm. better, you're parking that bus pretty stationary most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I've also asked people who are in the church world if they know if somebody's selling a church van. <laughs> That's our other thing. Any church van, uh, something to to help us out with because we don't, we don't, we buy cars for cash. So we kind of buy we buy they're not beaters, uh-huh. but they're going to have higher mileage. They're going to have, but it's because you know I'm we just we we, did, we went Dave Ramsey years back. A lot with we went with a lot of his financial stuff, and that's one of them. Uh, so yeah, and we don't we live here in Buckhead, and the furthest I drive, I drive to work four miles. Exactly. I, mean, I, could, I need a Abby always tells me I need a Vespa. I've had a Vespa, rocking a Vespa up here to work. You know, just just chilling, just cruising. That's awesome. Because what you got in store today? What's practice look like today? Uh, practice today, we got a two-and-a-half-mile tempo run for the ladies, three miles for the boys. Oof. Uh, definitely one, one of the least favorite days for the team, just because, you know, running those laps on the track ain't ever really the favorite, but mm-hmm. we like those tempos on the track. helps build a little mental toughness. What does a tempo run mean? A uh, tempo run for us, it's just a longer, it's a longer run. It's not quite to your race pace, but getting up there. Mm-hmm. Um just to help you understand like what your pace is. You okay. know what I mean? It's usually longer. Uh, I mean, the furthest we will work up to this year will be like four and a half miles. Mm. We do it on the track just because, hey, you get to chop it up in the quarters. You know what I mean? You get those nice consistent yeah. interval each time so you know yeah. if you're off pace, on pace or not. And it's just a really good way to like help build some of that mental toughness, like getting mm. in those laps on the track. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not our most favorite, but... It's a workout we only touch about three, four times a year. So, okay. Did you guys like the music yesterday? That oh, we yeah. Pumped? Yeah, we're going to bump some more music at practice today, which is a new thing for me. We used to play music at practice a little bit at Nitro, not much, but Riverside. But now we're we're going to play it over the speakers, man. I like that. I made one request to the guy who had the playlist. I said, I need more country music. I think that's where we, yeah. yeah. We were wondering how uh, Coach Roy uh, was feeling about it. Coach Roy, my man, Coach Roy. Or Coach Keith. Coach Keith. Coach, Coach Keith <laughs> Wolverton, for people who don't know, is an ex-military, uh, has no filter, and I love that. Uh, he's probably, yeah, he's one of, he's, 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 one of my, he's a great guy. He's one of my wife's favorite assistant coaches I've ever had because he's just, like, he's such a family guy. Um, we have, I have a whole bunch of great assistant coaches. I mean, we have, Coach Plymouth's been on uh, as well. I've been on the podcast, but, man, 
yeah, country music. We need some country. We had some old school stuff. We had Metallica. We had some rap songs oh, yeah. that were clean. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it it was good. But sometimes you just need to bring that energy to practice. You know what I mean? Especially the, right now, the second week. You know, we have a scrimmage. We have a scrimmage at the end of the week, but I don't know how people did. I mean, I know as a player, we did two a days and stuff. I don't know how, why people would do two a days anymore. I just don't. I can't get up for that the five only, hours of practice in a day. Yeah, the only way I could ever justify it as like a cross country coach is like, you know, in the summer we always run in the mornings. Like that's one right. thing I love about my kids is they do not complain about just getting it done in the mornings. They are all about seven or eight a.m. practices, mm-hmm. get it done, and having the rest of the day to themselves. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could ever justify like doubling up would be like a long run and a lift, or a long mm-hmm. run and then like a 30 minute shake out in the evening just super slow jog but like I don't have to grab them all back together to do that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. if they're going to be sore enough they're going to want to go get that shake out in and get their legs Mm -hmm. feeling good Mm -hmm. yeah I was the same way with soccer man we did that in high school and I just couldn't really I mean I was a cross country and soccer guy at the same time so for me the morning practice of running was kind of just like overkill Mm -hmm. But then I looked at my teammates, and I mean, they still couldn't play a whole 80-minute game. So I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, this ain't really getting us to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my Spring Valley High School alumni teammates. Spring Valley. Coach Dingus down there doing great work with the football program as well. Um, is Tim George still there? I don't know. Tim he was, George is the athletic director AD? nowadays. Yeah. Man, I really enjoyed those guys. You know, I see his uh, post every now and then on Facebook. Uh, seems like Coach George has done an awesome job of kind of like, really just, I don't know, amping up the athletics down there. Mm-hmm. You know, knocked at whoever was AD back when I was going through, but, you know, just felt like we never really had much unity behind mm-hmm. the different sports, but you see, like, there's a common culture coming out of Spring Valley, at least. Mm-hmm. And I like to see those guys doing well. Heck, yeah. I, I remember playing them. We played there in, what, 2016? They come down that hill, and that's when they had a whole bunch of Division One offensive linemen. <laughs> that's quite an intimidating feet because those guys were huge I don't know what was in the water those couple of years but my gosh I mean, you got a couple of guys playing potentially playing in NFL here the next couple of years from yeah, those teams some of those guys are still playing right now at WVU yeah um, Nestor Wyatt Milam Wyatt Milam yeah Grayson Malashevich a couple others and I mean you know yeah. just watching that uh, got that boy out of Huntington High Darnell Wright got first drafted by the Bears top 10 did you see that about his uh, summer workouts? Mm-mm. So, like, coming into camp for his, like, conditioning test and stuff, mm. he gets ready to do, like, the lineman conditioning test, and they blew it out of the water. And they're like, man, like, how did you get in such great shape? And he's like, I was just doing the workouts you all sent me. He was doing the receiving cores running workouts all summer long because he read it wrong. And so he was doing essentially double, triple every single day what the linemen were all doing just because he incorrectly was reading some stuff from the receiving core. That's awesome. And they were just like, yeah, like he easily was in the best shape out of all of our linemen coming in. And it was yeah, just like, that's awesome. <laughs> they're working way yeah, harder yeah, than yeah. the rest of them. I remember playing, I remember coaching against him in high school. Oh my. Gosh, that guy was unstoppable. We couldn't block him. He was he was mauling us. Uh, there was another guy when he was a freshman that ended up going North ended up going North Carolina off the same offensive line. They were just loaded for there for a minute. And Coach Seals does a great job down there. 
I need to get him on the podcast too. Um, he's funny. He went to Liberty. He's a Liberty alum. Um, he's my guy. Coach, thank you for this morning. Hey, appreciate it always, man. Glad to come in here and look forward to another good school year. Another school year. We're going to do it, and we're going to serve our students, man. It's going to be awesome. Yes, sir.